sex talk. Derek and Miley. Cause sexuality is tough. And okay, sexist isn't good enough. No. Sex talk with Derek and Miley. Hey, folks. Welcome to Sex Talk with Erica Miley. Erica Miley here. I have like a huge, a huge show for you today, everybody. <laughs> We're going to talk about infidelity. And so because this is such a big topic, this is something I cover in my practice. This is something that I, I get questions about all the time. I decided to bring you a panel. I brought you a whole panel of therapists <laughs> to tackle this big, 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 scary thing that is probably one of the biggest reasons that people come to couples or thruples or any relationship organization to why this is why they come to therapy folks would you i mean i'm going to introduce everybody and then i'm going to ask if they all agree with that so first i have shane burkle who y'all know that i'm a fan of uh, overall badass therapist is wonderful has his own podcast he's been on the show before thank you for coming shane i have valerie allen here from valerie allen counseling Valerie, thank you for coming. Heather Garner from GarnerChange.net. I am really excited that you're here. Jessica Klein is here as well. And we're going to jump right in because uh, we're going to be here a minute and therapists are long-winded. <laughs> I, I kind of envision this like our comic con. So everybody be ready. Put on your nerd gear. <laughs> we're going to jump into probably a one of the heaviest topics that we handle. So would you say this is the reason why uh, people come to therapy to see you all? Who wants to start us off? I can start. I specialize in treating infidelity in Cincinnati. And that's mostly what I have is couples who come that have experienced infidelity within the recent past, usually. That's Valerie speaking, you all. And I, I absolutely agree with you. I think that's probably one of the main things. When, when, when a couple approaches me, it is typically in regards to some sort of relationship boundary crossing of some sort. And it is usually related to infidelity. This is one of the areas that I work in, but I work in it with a twist. This is Heather mm. speaking. I specialize in couples who are in consensually non-monogamous relationships. Yeah. Woohoo! Yeah, that's I me. Am, and that is so a whole different twist. It, it is. is. I also work with people who define themselves as kinky. So there's a lot about infidelity, but this is usually one of the reasons people come to see me because infidelity can exist in these relationships as well. Yes. I think that's one of the biggest myths to kind of jump right in here. Like I work with poly folk and lots of relationship configurations. And that is something that people say to me, oh, how could cheating happen? Like, don't, isn't that why you do this so that you don't cheat? Yeah. Tongue in cheek. I always say, you know, if your relationship isn't working, you should definitely add other partners because that's a really good idea. <laughs> you know, it's oh. like, let's get a puppy because we're having marital problems because that always works out well. Or have no. a baby. Or have a baby. Yeah. yeah. No, 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 no. That is the absolute wrong reason to open up your relationship. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad we're just like front loading this with that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> So we're going to jump into lots of things. I'm really glad Jessica Klein is here in particular. We're going to jump into some of the financial issues because Jessica, you're a financial therapist in addition to being a psychotherapist and a sex therapist. Like, I mean, we could just start there. Like, right. do, they, do they call you first for money troubles or do they call you first for no. marital problems? Yeah, usually they come to me for marital problems. So I work with betrayed partners and then also desire differences. So hopefully getting them on track before infidelity occurs. But in regards to my betrayed partners, usually as we untangle things and they disclose ways that they've acted out, I inquire about how their money, you know, their financial acting out has impacted the couples because I hear mm. from a partner that's like, we have no money and he spent all of this on AI porn, so artificial intelligence porn. Or the chat that's available, you know, being able to do pornography with a live person on the other end. And, mm -hmm. and, or, you know, we have no money and he or she took this person to a hotel or we don't pay for things for the kids. I, I haven't received a gift in years. And now I find out, you know, my partner gave this and it might be something really tiny, but sometimes it's as problematic as the actual affair. 
Absolutely. I, I think that's yeah. a unique perspective that I think that often many, many people, they think about infidelity, they first typically think of a sexual act, right? Yeah. They're yeah. not necessarily thinking about these, these other nuanced pieces like money. Right. Right. Money is a language of power. And so when someone is investing their money into an affair partner or someone, you know, that they had infidelity with, the spouse feels really, or partner feels really wronged about that. Mm. Oof. Oof. I'm just, oh, let's get started. Okay. So let's tackle the first big, big question. Why do people cheat? Oh man. I have an answer. So big. Yes, Valerie, go. <laughs> go, Valerie, go. So I've come to look at it in a unique way. I think there are four circumstances that come together to create a perfect storm. I think, first of all, there has to be a crack in the marriage or the relationship. And I always am sure to tell my couples that there's a crack in every relationship, especially oh, when you bring kids in and stuff, right? Yes. So something going on in the relationship. I think even more important, there is something going on in the unfaithful spouse or the unfaithful partner, something in in the harder mind or life that is an insecurity or something. And then, of course, there is an opportunity. There's a willing partner. Mm-hmm. And then there is that choice, that decision to step across the line. And that happens in all kinds of different ways. But that's my perfect storm scenario of uh, four circumstances. Oh, I think, that's a, I think that's a beautiful, you're painting a beautiful picture that's easy to understand. If we zoom mm-hmm. out and what people want to understand is, is, I think that's the biggest question we get at first, right? When people walk in the door is why? And how did why, this happen? Yeah. How did this happen? And why, why did you do this to me? Mm-hmm. What else do you all see? Why do, why do people cheat? Some things that are similar to what Valerie said, I often think about it is often an issue of self-worth in the mm, person. Yes. If they're not valuing themselves, then um, they will seek that instead of becoming vulnerable in your primary relationship, that, that can be really too scary. And th- these are all subconscious things, maybe not some, something people would be thinking consciously, mm-hmm. but that having a hard time with the vulnerability in your primary relationship, opening up, talking about the problems or the issues that are there, yeah. and then trying to seek that out elsewhere. I would say that Sometimes that's a lack of relational maturity Mm. that is there. Sometimes it's just flat out sex addiction or something like that. That is the case. But yeah, that's all I'll say for now. Yeah, I think there are some different, some other considerations as well, but as a starting point. You mentioned sex addiction and in our field, this is, this tends to be as a sex therapist. I know that Jessica is a sex therapist as well, and we won't get big into the debate around it, but I'm sorry for, yeah, you get you're yeah, good. You're good. I'm not, I'm not, oh, you're, you're totally yeah. fine. Like, I'm not worried yeah. about the, the, I want to make sure that we're like, I wanted to bring this up only because this is something that oftentimes couples will say to me to distance themselves from what the actual problem in the relationship is. So they will call me and say, my person is cheating on me. They have a porn addiction they're bad, they're wrong. It is this, as I'm describing it, you can kind of hear in the language that I'm using, it is the distancing between them and their partner and they have wronged them. Oftentimes this word sex addiction comes up from the person calling me because they want to diagnose the person as the problem, their spouse, their partner as the problem. So that's really why I wanted to address it because- Yeah. Do you have another term that you use that would describe when it does raise to the level of pervasive situations that are ongoing that happen again and again to the person's detriment? I tend to use the words out of control sexual behavior because I, I am a big fan of, and for those of you out there listening, may be aware of his work, Doug Braun Harvey's work around out of control sexual behavior is wonderful. But for those of you who aren't therapists or, or things out there, like the behaviors are important, but usually when it comes to the relationship issues, oftentimes Many of my couples, throuples, they will try to distract from what's actually happening. They will distract and avoid the feelings they're actually having. So rather than saying, I am 
hurt and devastated from you to tap into Jessica's example earlier that you that, that you went out with a prostitute and we haven't had sex in six months. I'm devastated. I'm hurt. I'm sad. So I encourage people to come back to the feelings. What about all of you? Do you do you do that? Do you do you kind of like try to get folks to understand their feelings or like absolutely? Yeah. So let's talk maybe a little bit about that. What are the common feelings you're seeing in your office around infidelity? Well, I think the betrayed partner usually comes in with anger. Yes. You often have to dig underneath of that to get to the hurt the disappointment, fear, and that takes some time. Absolutely. Because the involved partner usually just sees and hears the anger. Mm -hmm. And then usually the involved partner shuts down and becomes very defensive if all they're hearing is anger and criticism rather than, I feel really betrayed. I feel really hurt. I feel scared of what this means for our future, maybe for our family, for our finances. Mm-hmm. I have another thought. Shame oh, yeah. is a big emotion that I see. I was just talking to a couple about this yesterday because they each have a different kind of shame. The betrayed spouse feels shame because they've been cheated on because their spouse mm-hmm. chose somebody other than them. Sorry, I keep saying spouse because most of my, uh, most of my couples are married, but mm-hmm. partners who have been cheated on feel shame because they feel less than and they don't understand that their unfaithful partner also feels shame, but from a very different way. I mean, they're the bad guy. They're the person that really hurts someone. So they have their own shame that they're dealing with. And now this big secret that they have been keeping is out of the box. Mm, There's a lot of shame there on that side. Yes. And I think the complexity of what you just described of how shame can look different for each person involved in the relationship is something that is very hard to confront on your own. So therapy for everyone. We're just saying, right out the gate, everybody go to therapy, (laughs) therapy, therapy, therapy. So I think that's a wonderful kind of summation, like that that shame piece of one of the more complex feelings that our folks deal with. Mm -hmm. Like, so, so let's talk about why do happy people cheat? Ah. Let's jump right into that. And I think maybe sometimes people think that happy people don't cheat. <laughs> I think it goes back to what Shane and I touched on was that um, when you say happy people, mostly I think you're talking about happy in a happy marriage, mm. people in a happy ma- or a happy relationship. Again, mm-hmm. I'm using the, the married terms, but in a happy relationship. And I think that goes back to what's more important to look at is what's going on within the unfaithful partner. And Esther Perel even says that it is so common that there is a loss of some kind in the recent history, either a death or a uh, loss of a job or something happens that she screens for it in her assessments mm-hmm. because it's so common. And, and I also find that to be true. That's really interesting. Yeah. Before, I, I think we should talk about loss when it comes to infidelity, but did anybody have anything else to add to what, to what Valerie just said? I think that there's a lot more access for a lot of people, whether that is pornography, and some people view that as infidelity, especially when there's an online, you know, it's person to person, artificial intelligence and pornography. So we have a lot more access to that that didn't used to be available. And I think that that will continue to be a trend. Obviously, if you're happy, you're probably not going to move to that point. But I do think it easy. it is easy to fall down that slippery slope. If you view pornography, the pop-up window says you can chat right away with this person. I think you can make an, a really impulsive move that could be really damaging to your partner. And a lot of times people don't chat about those sort of things. Like we know that if you have sex with another person, I'm not okay with that. But they haven't really had this discussion or exploration around if pornography that involves another person on the computer, is that cheating to you? And so I think that 
you know, that's where happy people can slide down a slippery slope. I think that is, you brought up just something that is incredibly important, Jessica, that, that the nuanced discussion about cheating is not happening in right. couples, throuples, mm-hmm. what have you. I would, I would venture to say, and I'm going to actually make a kind of a grand statement here. This is a hot take. Maybe, and but maybe Heather might want to put me right here. <laughs> but when it comes to when I've worked with poly people and, and, and lots of different relationships, that they are not talking about it, they are a little better at it because they have to have a more many of my poly folk have to have a more nuanced discussion about rules, time, and things like that. So they're a little better, but they still are not necessarily having a more nuanced discussion around cheating. Heather, like, what do you think? I, I, I kind of have a hot take there. You are totally on point. I mean, just as a society, we are not comfortable talking about sex. Nope. Um, <laughs> there, you know, I think women in particular, I hate to gender this, but I think women in particular have a hard time advocating for their wants and needs, especially mm-hmm. around sex. Oh, we're, um, and we're not encouraged. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and so to get two people to talk about the scary thing in relationships, which is infidelity, mm-hmm. it just isn't happening. And back to your question about why happy people cheat is we're lazy. I mean, I mean, we, I mean, we bring in the next hot take. Relationships are a daily exercise and patience and compromise and insight and being aware. And some days you just want to phone it in. And if there's someone available on the computer or on the phone or at your job, Mm -hmm. why not? And part of it also is because people aren't having that nuanced conversation, it's very easy to say, well, that's not cheating because I didn't do this act with my genitals with this other person. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which I think gets into Jessica's area. It doesn't involve the genitals. So how is it cheating? Exactly. Right. Right. And it, again, speaks to that more nuanced conversation that many, many relationships are not having. I just had this conversation um, with um, one of my other former guests, Dr. Sarah Shavitz. She does love and relationships. That's her gig. And one of the things we talked about was this very specific way in which people are not talking about what shared values they have. Mm -hmm. And they're telling each other, especially in online dating world, (laughs) that they like to travel. (laughs) Which, what would you, what, what are we going to do with that? Like, what, <laughs> how do you connect with somebody? <laughs> Most people like to travel. We're not having right. these in-depth, nuanced discussions even before we get into relationship. Even once we're in relationship, there's no blueprint here. We're not taught well. So therapy for everyone, again. <laughs> again, again, yeah. again. Along with what Heather's saying and everyone else, I think it has to do with how, how well someone can compartmentalize in their own mind. Yeah. If I have this opportunity. It's like me and the ice cream at nine o'clock at night. It's like, I I have this ability to compartmentalize. Like, I know that this isn't going to affect my life negatively in the long run if I indulge in this, but that at this moment, it's not that big a deal. It won't make that big of impact, but we make these choices. I don't know how all of you have encountered your clients, but I would say like over 90% of the people who end up getting into a fair are like so regretful that they did it. It's like they made that choice in the moment and then it just destroys their life. And they're not thinking about that reality when they're just giving into their impulses in the moment. And if they were to do that, they would, they would make much different choices. And Shane, do you find that people who can't, there are some people who can compartmentalize and some people who can't. And if you have a spouse or a partner who does this and compartmentalizes, oftentimes their their betrayed partner does not understand how you could do that. How could you not oh, be totally. thinking about your family? Mm. How could you not be thinking when and they're like, it's totally different, totally separate. When Absolutely. I'm with one, yeah, I, I don't think about it. And the, the partner doesn't get it. When I talk to my couples about this, I remind them that we all know the speed limit is 65. Mm -hmm. And none of us actually think we're going to get caught going 75, 80 miles an hour on the highway. We're willing to risk that because no one is there in the moment watching us and we're not getting an immediate consequence. So, you know, when you talked about having opportunity, Valerie, 
we all have an opportunity on an open stretch of highway to go as fast as we want. And we might get caught or we might not. It's very easy to say, well, I'm going to do it because the chances of me getting caught That's you know, true. By, is mm-hmm. slim to none. Right. And don't you think that risk and reward start going like you do it and it's very rewarding. You're getting that dopamine hit, that feel good thing. And the more you get that, the risk and the more you get away with it, the Mm -hmm. risk goes down. So your risk and reward goes way off. Right. Way off balance. Yeah. Never underestimate the power of love drugs. Oh, yes. new relationship energy. Mm-hmm. Or I think yes. the Gottmans call it limerence. Right. Yes, limerence. Yes. Limerence. Mm-hmm. It's like 13 chemicals in the brain, exactly. and one of which is an amphetamine that you know lowers our decision making and make us yes. take bigger risks than we normally would. Absolutely. So listen, folks, like the, like all you listeners out there, we're telling you there is a physiological thing that you cannot resist, nor you can you stop. Yes. And so it is, a, it is, I would say it is a, a fairly significant barrier. That's one of the things we don't talk about as people, the physiological responses that we have and how those things are very difficult to resist. We're really just bags of chemicals walking around. We think we're thinking. <laughs> I just picture <laughs> we like we're a, using our prefrontal cortex, but we're not. I just <laughs> totally pictured like the goldfish bag of water and chemicals, like <laughs> shaking up, just shake, shake, shake. So I want to tackle this because I think it's really, really important. And we've all heard this from our esteemed colleague Esther Perel. But what is the definition of infidelity? One of the reasons I decided to train under Terry Real was I felt like the definition I was using, I was like, wow, this other big person uses it. And I say that it's if your partner is not a crazy, jealous person hmm. and they were watching you over your shoulder doing something mm-hmm. and they thought it was wrong and they felt like it was breaking the rules of the relationship, that's infidelity. Yes. Mm. Because it's much easier when you're the involved party to say, well... I hope I can say this, but like, well, it was just a blowjob. Oh, or well, more than welcome to say blowjob. <laughs> okay, good. I can also or say well, fuck, and I'm completely cool with it. <laughs> right? Good. I use it a lot. Um, or You're well, my new best friend, Erica. <laughs> it was just a hotel stay, or you know, well, it was just an emotional affair. It wasn't sex. Mm-hmm. It's very easy to justify that behavior, but when your partner is watching it. That's mm. where it changes. And so that's the definition that I use with couples. Yeah. I, yes. I think that's an excellent way to look at it. What about the rest of you? Right. What, what, what yeah, do you I agree. Of? Any any conversation, and, and most of the couples that I work at starts out with, you know, a conversation. It's a friendship. And then it goes into flirting. But once you start talking about things that you would not want your spouse to know that you're talking about, mm. you're crossing a line. And it's so insidious. It creeps mm-hmm. up. I think Esther Perel talks about alchemy. Mm-hmm. And I just I just love that word <laughs> because it mm-hmm. kind of like it talks about the feeling and what it feels like when maybe you get the feeling like, oh, if somebody saw me doing this, if somebody was looking over my shoulder, kind of like what Heather was saying, like, oh, they saw what I was doing and then that kind of gut check reaction of, mm-hmm. oh, I'm doing something bad in quotation marks. Right. Shane, you train with Terry. I'm curious to hear yours. Yeah, I love what you said, Heather. I totally agree. And I think this goes back to the relational maturity that I mentioned. That um, Let's say that I am at Starbucks and uh, I see a, f- a friend who's a female there because I'm married to a woman. And I see a friend who's a female and I we decide to sit down for an hour and have coffee together and have a conversation and have a chat. Now, that is fine from my perspective and my wife and I agree that's fine. But it would be if I didn't tell my wife about that and I was sort of uncomfortable about that, it could cause problems in the future. And that maybe that woman and I decide to have coffee again the next week. What the relational maturity is that I have the ability to face, even if I feel a little uncomfortable about it, to face that mm-hmm. conversation with my wife and say, hey, I want to let you know, you know, so-and-so and I had coffee today and uh, we're going to have coffee again next week. And I'm being accountable to my partner. I'm checking in with them. Or it could be a little bit worse. It could be, you know what, I did something I don't know what would be in between Um, because it starts feeling like it's examples that I'm thinking of start feeling really bad, really fast. You know, if I were to kiss someone or if I were to do something like that, it's Mm -hmm. like, I know that that's not okay. 
but let's say I did. Let's say I kissed someone. And if I went home and told my wife about that, that that would be relationally accountable. That is still infidelity. It would be for, for my wife and I, but it wouldn't raise to the level of me having a sexual affair with someone for a month without telling my wife. It's different. And so I have an opportunity to be relationally accountable to her along the way. And the more maturity I have about that and the more conversations we have and are able to open up to each other, the less risk there is that these things are going to happen. And I think you just made that excellent point of the nuanced discussion of what mm-hmm. what you both believe to be, or more than both, what you believe to be okay and not okay around behavior, relationships, sex, what is okay and what is not okay. I've worked with many people myself who people are in poly relationships and their definition of what they would consider infidelity, at least for the folks that I'm thinking of, is that they didn't use protection when they were having a sexual encounter Mm -hmm. with someone else. And it's not that they had a sexual encounter with someone else. It's that they didn't use protection. and Because that was a rule. Exactly. I had a couple like that. Yes. It's like, yes, these things are okay with other people. And you put my safety at risk Mm -hmm. as well when you engaged in unprotected sex with someone else. Right. Quick break from the action, folks. (laughs) Action. (laughs) I just want to tell you about my Patreon. Every week I bring you guests and seriously, lots of sex nerdery. (laughs) Help me keep doing that by becoming a supporter. What do you get in return? Cool perks. For real. I am going to be doing shout outs, stickers, a bunch of stuff. So check it out at ericamiley.com forward slash Patreon. That's E-R-I-K-A-M-I-L-E-Y.com forward slash Patreon. I hope to see you and see more of you by becoming a Patreon. Thanks, guys. I think that, you know, when people don't have the conversation, they need to err on the side of caution. And, mm. and I'm really speaking about like secure attached couples, you know, where would that line be? If you wouldn't, if you wouldn't do it with your mom or your significant other next to you, it's probably, you need to either have a conversation if that is appropriate between you and your partner, or it probably isn't appropriate. I have a lot of couples that are honestly really surprised that the partner is being drug into therapy, as they call that, Mm. because they sent out a dick pic. And they're like, that is not a big deal. And it's like, you're married. Maybe your partner doesn't want you sending out dick pics. So that can come up as infidelity to the other partner. And I think that people really have have to have a conversation, you know, like we talked about, you know, the values in a Mm -hmm. relationship before these sort of events occur. Absolutely. Yeah, so I, I think I, I think it, there there is no right or wrong. Also, right. but it's about the it's about the contract that yes. you have with your partner, yeah. right? So if you if you just if you're thinking about sending a dick pic at some point, just ask your partner first: Is this something that is okay in our relationship or not? Because you might save yourself a lot of headaches. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think that that absolutely leads us to this next question. How can a relationship tackle infidelity before it happens? I think the first step is knowing that it can happen because we go into a relationship um, blissfully ignorant and Mm -hmm. knowing that it happens makes you remain vigilant in your relationship. Mm-hmm. So name the elephant is what you're telling me. The elephant that's already in the room that's been standing right. there the whole time, you're telling me Because it'll to name never it. happen. It'll never happen to me. And so you get lazy, as we were saying before. You get, um, yeah. you take people for granted. You take your relationship for granted. Yes. I think this also ties into the cultural issues that we have around relationship currently today, at the very least in the United States. And this expectation that this person is my one of everything. My entire fulfillment is based in this one person. My entire identity is completed in quotation marks. You complete me. That killed it. That, you know, well, Thank you. Which movie did that come from? You complete me. Why am I failing at 
Uh, Jerry Maguire. Yes, yeah. Jerry Maguire. <laughs> Jerry Maguire. It, uh, <laughs> I love that it came out of a Scientologist's mouth, who then gave us all <laughs> therapists business forever in trying try to create relationship that completes you as a human. That's not possible. Right. Right. So how do you think that that relates to how we can help people identify the risks for infidelity, maybe even maybe in themselves or in a relationship before they are dealing with it? I think Valerie's on the right track. I think the data from the Kinsey Institute, and I only know this because I gave a talk, 25% of monogamous couples are reporting that there's been infidelity in their relationship. Um, And Shane and I were at a talk with Esther Perel where she asked, how many of you have either cheated on a partner or have been cheated on? Raise your hand. How many people come from a family where someone has been cheated on? How many of you have a friend? And I think at the end, everyone's hand was raised. Mm -hmm. So infidelity touches, I think, almost everyone at some point and not going into a relationship expecting your monogamy or your non-monogamy to protect you from that. Um, Yes. That we all make choices every single day. And, you know, as Esther Perel says, the long term keeps getting longer. And Mm. with technology, you know, we have the ability to find a new partner by just swiping right. Right. We have great ability to hide things with all the apps that are out there. And I think it speaks to what Shane has touched on several times, which is about being mature in your relationship and actually being accountable to another human being. And so having conversations, I would encourage couples pre-commitment, whatever that means for them, to have these very subtle, nuanced conversations. If I have a fantasy about another person, do you want to know about it? Pornography, masturbation, Mm -hmm. sex, finances. Um, I see a lot of couples also that have, you know, financial infidelity. Do you think having a fantasy about another person is infidelity? In my relationship, no. In other people's relationships, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So from my perspective as, as myself in my relationship, no. But in many, many of my clients' relationships, yes. And I think that it's it a comes, hard line not to cross. It, yeah. it, it is. And it mm-hmm. is this question and an around- easy line to keep to yourself. Right? Like right. what monitor are you going to put in my head? Come on now. <laughs> I think Esther put out like 150 questions for couples about sex. And so one of my couples was working through them. And mm-hmm. one of them was like, what was like a really meaningful sexual experience for you? Mm-hmm. And this person talked about their first sexual experience in my office when they were, I don't know, 16 or 17. And their partner got very upset that that meaningful experience did not include them. Although it was like 30 years before they were even in the picture. And mm-hmm. me as a person was sitting back like, are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> okay. All right. All right. So let's talk about that. What's really going on that this is a problem right. for you because it became the, it became a problem yes. that this, that they had another sexual experience that was important or enjoyable that did not include their current spouse. To me as a person, I was a little blown away, but mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so yeah, I think for some people that that is a line, Valerie, um, I don't get it, but (laughs) right. Well, and I think the the pornography and the masturbation are really, really good to take Mm -hmm. it to the a different level. It's about Mm. different people have a very different understanding of what those things mean. Absolutely. And it's a really important thing to open up a conversation about with your partner and -hmm. make sure there's an understanding around those things. Yes. Yes. What is okay? What is not okay? And the other piece that I often am working with people on is how you got to what is okay and not okay. Mm. It doesn't mean anything about you or anything about your partner. It's okay to have had boundaries in your life and to then negotiate those boundaries with your partner. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I will often, if we tackle porn specifically, I will ask them to, okay, what's, what's on the sex menu? Is porn on the sex menu? Is erotica on the sex menu? Is audio erotica on the sex menu? Is, mm-hmm. is masturbation with somebody else on the screen on the sex menu? Like what is on the menu? Mm-hmm. So if you had to... Um, if you had to, like, if we zoomed way, way out, like, how do you think culture and history have impacted how we see relationships today? We've kind of touched on this a little bit, but this is a bigger, bigger, bigger picture. 
I think we're still operating, at least here in the United States, under the Puritan <laughs> patriarchy of, you know, we get married and it's till death do us part. But everyone forgets that if, you know, I was married to Shane, he would have been dead already because he would have been in a war. You know, that's what I mean? right. <laughs> and I would have probably died already in childbirth. Yep. Um, or so tuberculosis. People, right. Or a disease or something. So. Mm-hmm. Till death to us part might have been only a couple of years. Right. Um, or dysentery now, if organ trail was right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I think it goes back to what you mentioned earlier that we expect our partner to be our one and only, which is a huge mm-hmm. burden for our partners, but it's also a huge burden if we believe that, mm-hmm. that this one person has to do all this for me versus having friends and acquaintances and business professionals that we get other needs met from. And then just our hangups around sex. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I've been, you know, I see a lot of millennials and they're starting to have a refreshing perspective mm-hmm. of not wanting to get married. Whereas I think that 20 years ago, it was kind of like, you know, and I'm aging myself. We just all thought of, oh, we're going to get married. But millennials are more in touch with this. You know, they can choose their relationship. They can choose to be committed, not required to get married. So I think that that looks really nice because I see that change coming and I'm hopeful for that. But I agree so much with what Heather said that the old school beliefs and then we we put a lot of weight on our partner and it's hard for our partner to do that for the next 50, 60, 70, 80 years. Mm, that weight yeah. on the partner. I think that's a really, really important perspective. Go ahead, Shane. Yeah, and I think the old script... In the old script, this might have been Esther Perel too, who talks about this. Everybody knew their role, right? And Mm, of course, it would be a a husband and a wife, a man and a woman. And the husband would go make the money and be the provider. And the woman would take care of the household. And everybody knew what they were supposed to do. And everybody fell into line. And now, like with the millennials that Jessica was talking about and with the new in the present day, there's so many more options, so many more opportunities, so many mm-hmm. more different types of communities that you can be a part of. If you're interested in unicorn socks, then you can <laughs> you can go online and find a group that is mm-hmm. devoted to that. Whatever you want out there, you can choose to have it. And I think that it's a wonderful thing as far as having the freedom, but it's also a very confusing and overwhelming thing for a lot of people because it just feels overwhelming. And I think that just goes back to the idea that when you are in a relationship with someone, it's really, really important to be open and clear and have the conversations about what is okay, what do you feel comfortable with, what would feel hurtful to you. There's no right or wrong, but I just want to know I just want to make sure that I'm being accountable for myself and accountable to you as my partner. I think that you just tapped into something about variability that I wonder, I I actually have wondered this myself, not only with my clients, but just generally, like, have we kind of hit this, this area of culture where you have access to so many options as far mm-hmm. as partner, as far as the kind of sex you may or may not like. How do you think that that's that maybe even overwhelm, like Shane, you described? Like, how do you think that's playing out? Well, we have the ghosted and breadcrumb culture right now where it's Ooh. very easy to have multiple ways of meeting someone. And then there's, there's you know, with the connection in the way that's online and less personalized. We have an ability to move away from the pain and the difficulty of ending things. So we're ghosting a lot of people. We're in a really weird spot right now where there is so many options. We can connect with people differently. We can connect in California with someone that likes unicorn socks, whereas it used to be, you know, I grew up and we didn't have the internet. So that wasn't an option. If I, I was the weird you know, girl at school with the unicorn socks and there was no one else there. (laughs) Now we have so many options, but when we look at theory of choice, it makes it harder for people to choose because there are too many overwhelming options and we have less of that connection. So it's easier to ghost and breadcrumb people. If I can piggyback off that, I think all these things like this, you know, what we're doing right now that have the ability to make us all more relational, I think are actually making us anti-relational. Absolutely. 
Mm. that, you know, the psychology of choice, you know, again, all I have to do is swipe, right? Mm -hmm. To have somebody. And the whole world is in front of me, you know, Mm -hmm. if unicorn socks or zebra socks or whatever your your thing is. Mm -hmm. And it's so easy to depersonalize when it's you behind a screen. You know, those great things that we all keep in our purse and our pocket and whatever are getting in the way of a relationship. They're connective, but they're also not. And, you know, ghosting and simmering and breadcrumbing, absolutely. And don't you think it's easier to, not just because of technology, but hiding behind a screen, things can say, the people that you can meet, but then the things that you say are depersonalized. So you're saying things that get you into infidelity. It's easier to cross lines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, things you would never say to someone in person. Or the random dick pics that people are sending. Exactly. I was just thinking that. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. The listeners can't see my face, but um, <laughs> <laughs> my, my Instagram is at Erica Miley Therapy. You would think that would be a barrier. Nope. Right. Never a barrier. I think actually Dr. Justin Lee Miller has just come out with um, a little bit of research around that. So I'll have to put that in the show notes. But I think you're onto something there, Valerie, about the nobody's watching. I can even do things that are outside of my value system, my personal. And outside of my comfort zone. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what does that lead to infidelity or not? It's, that's, that's completely dependent upon the person. And back to kind of what Shane was saying about the, that maturity of relationship. Have you considered your partner while you are making your own choices? As far as each of your kind of own like approach with clients, I would kind of love to ask each of you to give us kind of your unique perspective around infidelity, each one of you, one at a time. And and we'll start, Valerie, with you. I bring a lot of my own personal experiences to my work with couples. My husband and I just celebrated 30 years. All right. We both believe that our relationship is much stronger because of the mistakes that we have made and Mm. the hard times that we went through and the way we work through those together. So I bring a lot of that to my work. I think also the most important thing I try to remember is I think I can sit with the chaos, the chaos of a couple just discovering infidelity. And I can guide them through that with confidence. And I think I can also look at each partner's, I understand the nuances of each side and can uh, have compassion for both sides. And that's what I try to bring with my work with couples is helping them understand the other person's side as, as we go through this process of rebuilding trust and rebuilding the connection and moving toward forgiveness. And mm. I kind of guide down that path knowing because the couples I work with are all working toward that goal. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, mostly. You know, certainly I have some that uh, end up divorcing, but most come to me because they want to save the marriage. Right. And I do think that that is, you beautifully put, I, I love that you kind of brought up that chaos that storm that I think yeah. uh, that happened so early in that. I do a that. training for other therapists in the area. And that's the one thing I want them to take away is that you just need to sit in the chaos and be comfortable in that. Cause if you can do that, you can treat infidelity. Yeah. Beautifully, beautifully put. Heather, what about you? What do you think you're, I mean, you work with all relationship types and are kink friendly. So like, how do you feel like your therapeutic approach, like what do you bring that's different around infidelity? I felt so blessed to have met Terry Real when I did in my profession because I was saying fuck in session and hadn't met any other therapists who were sort of straight shooters like I was. Mm. And so I'm usually the person who sits with people who have tried polyamory and it's blown up in their face because they haven't had the nuanced conversations or the relationship was rocky to begin with and they thought this would be a good idea. Listeners, it never is. <laughs> um, never is. If you didn't and hear the sarcasm. <laughs> never works out well. And I think like Valerie, being able to sit in that and say, okay, you really screwed this up. And so now if you wanted to have an open relationship, we're going to have to pause that 
and we're going to have to repair your relationship if that's what you want to do and telling them this person that you thought you were having a polyamorous relationship with your partner's telling you it was infidelity mm. because I know they were actually an affair partner because you were never open to begin with or you broke a rule. And to be able to say, look, this person that you broke some rules with, you might not ever be able to be in an open relationship with them now. Mm -hmm. The well might be poisoned. You might be able to go on and have a different version of an open relationship, but with this other involved party, it might not happen. And so sometimes I think my my style is to tell them the truth. You know, I just saw a couple last week where they were in the process of opening up and they set some clear boundaries. Intercourse was off the table and the one partner went ahead and had intercourse and they came in and I said, look, you weren't open. It's infidelity and just naming it for what it is in poly relationships, you cheated. And so now we have to do that work. So just being honest with people while being compassionate allowing them to sit with their shame and also balance their partner's shame as we spoke about earlier and helping them get back on track and starting to have those conversations that would have been better had much earlier in the conversation. Beautifully, beautifully, beautifully put. Yeah. Just what, just absolutely wonderful. Shane, you're up. Yeah. One thing I was thinking about was that I like to move each partner into the pain of their reality and so for the partner who has been betrayed, they think that they're feeling anger. Well, they are, but the, what, the only thing they're tapped into is the anger. Mm -hmm. And I want to move them into the fear and sadness and shame that is going on for them. And I want them, because that's the, the grieving process, and uh, move them away from their, my partner is a bad person, but mm -hmm. instead that I am feeling very hurt. Yes. And with the partner who was involved in the affair, I want to move them into the pain of their reality, you know, to listen and take in what they've done to their partner. Accountability. When people are angry, it's like, I want to attack you and make you feel as hurt as I feel right now. Mm -hmm. It's a twisted sort of justice. It doesn't work very well mm. because when someone sees the anger, they'll just deflect and they'll minimize and they'll defend themselves. But when the involved partner can start listening to the deeper feelings and take in how hurt they have made the other person. And, you know, and I'll say something like, it would be helpful for you to imagine yourself waking up in a cold one bedroom apartment by yourself mm. without your wife and your kids. And uh, it's Christmas morning and you're all alone and by yourself. And it's like, you know, you, that's moving them into the pain of their reality. Do you see what is at stake here? And then helping them become, that helps them become accountable in a way that their partner can actually connect with eventually over time. But that's the going through the grieving process that needs to happen for both people. Yes, absolutely. Oh, and then after you said like bring them to their own pain, I was like, oh, I need a nap already. That it's <laughs> it's hard work what you're talking about. Like what you are talking about, what all of you are talking about is incredibly difficult work. And so I want to go to Jessica and make sure that we. What what do you think you're? I mean, you being a financial therapist, I think is really key here. Like, how do you think? What is your unique perspective around infidelity? Yeah. My practice, you know, I do a lot of attachment focus. So we work on that. And then with the betrayed partner, I use prodependence instead of codependence. So really helping the betrayed partner experience their own feelings around those sort of things. But I love talking about things that no one likes to talk about. Sex and money. <laughs> Sex um, and so, money. Sex and money. So I'm a lot of fun at a cocktail party. Um, <laughs> I feel like us sex therapists always are. Right? Yeah. So in, in my sessions, I believe that money is a language of power. And in relationships, yeah. um, there are certainly a lot of issues with that. And I see that a lot in infidelity. So we're talking about sex and we're talking about money and we're talking about you know, the power imbalances in the relationship in regards to that. We're talking about a lot of different issues, difficult issues that I think that they typically wouldn't talk about elsewhere. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of just a chill therapist who wears jeans with holes, and I swear, and I yes. talk about things yes. that that usually these people like to kind of put in the closet and not show to anyone. Yes, absolutely. I just really, I appreciate that all of you ha- are here and have been here and have been, we've been talking for a while. So bless all of you for hanging in there with me. And I really want to say how to, uh, how, I'm going to go down the line, how people find you in the world. So the state that you're located in so that folks know if they want to become your client, they can, or if they're looking for any of the products you're offering, I want them to be able to do that. So how about Valerie first? How do people find you in the world? You can find me at valallencounseling.com and uh, that's it. Fantastic. Everything's there. Everything you need to find me is on that website. Fantastic. Yay. All right, Heather, you're up. I'm at garnering, G-A-R-N-E-R-I-N-G, change.net, and everything you need is there as well. Fantastic. And I am in Maryland. Sorry. Oh, Oh, yeah. I'm in Ohio. I'm in Ohio, Cincinnati. Valerie is in Cincinnati, Ohio. Ohio. Come on, words. Cincinnati, Ohio. Heather, you are in? I am in the suburbs of Baltimore, Maryland. Maryland. Okay. Very good. Very good. Uh, Shane, you're up. If you're a couples therapist, uh, you can find me at CouplesTherapistCouch.com. That's connected to a podcast that's all about the practice of couples therapy. Go listen to it. Go listen to it. If you're a therapist, you'll really like it. If you are interested in my practice website, it's just ShaneBurkle.com. And I am located in New Hampshire about an hour from Boston. Mm -hmm. Jessica. I am in Wisconsin. Well, You can find me on my website, which is kleincounseling.com, all C's. And I am all over Wisconsin. So mid-Wisconsin, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I'm also licensed in Florida, Hawaii, Georgia, and going to be adding Minnesota soon. So I'm also online. And I have have a course. So I have some courses. So if anyone's interested in anything like that, feel free to reach out to me. Fantastic. I love it. Yes. Oh, uh, y'all, I I am so glad. Again, thank you so much for joining my Infidelity Comic-Con panel. (laughs) And thanks to all the listeners out there and everybody watching the video for sticking around to the end. We really appreciate your time. We hope you have a good week and we will see you next time. Thanks for having us, Erica. Thanks, Erica. Thanks for having us. Thanks for listening, folks. Please rate and review on iTunes. It helps this podcast get found. If you leave a five-star review, let me know about it on any social media, and I'll shout you out on the podcast. You can find my website at ericamiley.com. You can find me on Facebook, the Gram, and Twitter. See you all next time.